again, everyone. What a great passage we get to look at today. Like, is this, um, you know, it's hard, it's, I don't, always, I don't always feel comfortable saying one passage is better than the other. Um, but this is a pretty good one, isn't it? It's just a wonderful passage. It's a, it's a stick on your fridge passage, I reckon, on the back of the toilet door, whatever it might be. Um, if you want to learn a piece of scripture, learn this one. This is a great passage to remember and to commit to memory. If not, verses 8 and 9. There you go. And if you do that next week, by next week, come and quote it to me and I'll be impressed. might give you a Mars bar or something. Anyway, um, have in front of you, folks, um, the outline. That'll be good. Most importantly, though, have in front of you the Word of God, the Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there are Bibles in the um, foyer over there. You're welcome to jump up right now and go and grab one. Um, that'll be good to do. Youth leaders looking after the youth. Good on you. Well, <laughs> yeah. All right. So, now, during the week, I confessed to uh, someone who remained nameless that uh, we're actually not going to be looking at uh, preaching on verses uh, chapter 1, 15 to 23. And that caused a great deal of disappointment. And in fact, it might have been, it might have been that I got in trouble with this, young ma- young, this person. Um, so I'm going to read to us verses 15 to 23, because it's a great passage. And, um, and well, actually, we will refer to it in, in, a, in a way. So verse 15, then after that, I'm going to pray for us. For this reason, I sin- I'll start again. For this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Father, a uh, God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age but also in the one to come. And God has placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, for which he is the body. Which is the body? His body the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray, folks. Father, we pray that you would uh, fill us with your spirit and give us wisdom and revelation so that we may know you better. We pray that the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened in order that uh, we may know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of his glorious inheritance uh, for your people and the incomparably great power for us who believe. We pray that we would know that as we open your word today. We thank you that that power is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and it's the same power that we can trust in that will raise us one day as Christian people. Father, we um, pray that you would guide us in your word. Uh, We thank you for this wonderful word today to us. Help us to be encouraged. Help us to be reminded of your grace and mercy to us. Amen. Well, let's start with some silly stuff, shall we? A bit of silly stuff to begin with. Uh, these are some inventions that have lacked a clear purpose. I did some research during the week. This is what I've come up with. Here we go. Here's number one. This is the toilet paper roll hat. Very convenient. 
quite sure it's going to win me fashion awards. Although something, when you see the Melbourne Cup, they wear those fascinators. Some of them look like this. <laughs> Maybe they could wear this. We have another invention. This is the anti-bandit bag. I'm not sure how that works. I think they grab one bit, one bit, and it all explodes out. And that puts them off and they run away. Um, you be the judge. Next one, what can possibly go wrong? Here's the baby cage. There we go. For those with parents, parents and you know, at the 26th floor of an apartment block, this is what you should do. There we go. 19 uh, something or other that was. Not very safe. Uh, this is handy. The baby mop. <laughs> Which I have thought of this at times when our kids were young. Um, next one is, of course, the lipstick stencil. Again, perfect shape every time. And I think there's one more. Let's have a look. Ah, oh, yeah, there is. The visor rug. What a, what a great idea. What a great idea. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that, that is just fantastic. Anyway, oh, and that, well, these are some inventions that did have a clear purpose. Now, let's see if we can work these out. Of course, the invention of the computer. Um, but uh, penicillin... Antibiotics. Um, well, there's the iPhone, a big invention. And I think that's just, well, I've just made that, that's plastic, those plastic bottles. Now, there's a bit of debate about that, whether that's been a good invention or not now. It's a bit of a nasty word, don't mention plastic in good company. Um, and then, of course, on the left there is not some, uh, some sort of invention of torture. Um, that, that is the printing press. Uh, the Bible was first printed via the printing press in the late 16th century, I think it was. And, of course, social media. Again, invention. But they, clear, they had a clear purpose, didn't they, these inventions? And um, they, uh, they are a clear purpose in, the, in, in um, what was made. How about this then? Let's read this verse again. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That we there, that we is those who have believed in the word of truth. You might remember back to 1 verse 13. Uh, we believed in the word of truth, the gospel of grace. That's the we. We, the church, those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus, are God's handiwork. We are God's invention. And God has created us with a clear purpose. What we'll see is God's created us to show his grace and God's created us to do good works. I'm going to come back to those at various points in the next few minutes. How? How has a Christian come to be God's handiwork, God working in our lives? Well, the answer is God, through Jesus, has reversed the effects of sin. At the end, I'm going to show you a great little video reminds us of what, where God has taken us. But what we see, and it's in your outline there, and actually I've got it up on the screen, I'm just going to leave this up for the rest of today, but it's also in front of you. If you want to jot a few things down, we'll have a Q&A at the end as well. But you can see that we're asking about how. How has God done this? How are we God's workmanship? In effect, what we're asking is, how has God saved us? If you're a Christian person, you put your Lord, trust in the Lord Jesus, how has God saved you? That's what we're going to do first. And then we see what for, and that's in verse 10. That's the direction we're heading. So that first one then, from wrath to mercy. Let's look at verse 1. Because of our transgressions, and that is our sin, our disobedience of God, our pushing God away our ignoring him, we are deserving of the wrath of God. What we've done is we have pushed God away from being a king in our lives and instead of we've put that crown on our own heads. We've made ourselves king in his place. 
But notice the by nature, this is our situation. We are inherently in need of God's mercy. Inherently in need of God's mercy. We are far off as, as God and it's only God who can bring us near. So verse 1, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. That's another way of, under, uh, way of talking about Satan. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. Friends, that's our spiritual diagnosis. Have a look at those words again, if you like. Because if you're a Christian person, that's what you were. If you're not a person who trusts in the Lord Jesus now, that's what you are. And we will never understand the mercy of God, which we'll get to in a moment, without honestly taking a good look at ourselves in the mirror of the Bible. Here, our human nature is painfully exposed, but accurately diagnosed as being spiritually dead. No life in us without the Lord Jesus. And we're captive under the ways of this world, the influence of Satan and the wickedness of our nature. You see, that this diagnosis of these first few verses reveals just how bad we really were before Christ, before God worked in us, but, and, and how utterly helpless we were. This examination of our inner being ought to be truly alarming if you haven't yet understood it and it might be a reminder for us today. Let me illustrate this. So imagine there's uh, three patients uh, with heart disease and uh, they're being asked into the doctor's surgery after their scans and their x-rays and all those sort of tests they undergo. Well, said the doctor, I do have some good news for you but you won't realise what good news it is until I first tell you the bad news. All of you have serious heart disease because you've been chain smoking for the last 30 years. And unless each of you has major surgery, you will all be dead within a year. Outrageous, shrieked the first patient. Outrageous. How can you criticise me like this? <coughs> I came in here for some reassuring in... <coughs> Sounds like the actual patient, doesn't it? <laughs> He's struggling, all that smoking, you know. You don't touch the stuff. Um, I came in here for some reassuring encouragement and you've made me feel terrible, he says. It's a disgrace. And he stormed out of the clinic. Second patient responded with a menacing fury. He said, how dare you? Who do you think you are telling me my heart needs surgery? I'll find many other doctors to tell me I'm fine. And I'm a lot healthier than other smokers I know. And I feel fine. You're the most arrogant doctor I've ever met. He too storms out of the, out of the clinic. The third patient, well, he sat quietly, thought for a moment and he said, Doctor, it's a terrible shock to hear I need surgery but thank you for telling me the truth. I'm so relieved that there's good news of an operation to save me. Please tell me about it. It's like that here in those first few verses of chapter 2 of Ephesians. 
Paul has wonderful news to share of God's grace, but will never truly rejoice in it until we recognise how appalling our natural condition was, it really is, without Jesus. And so then we come to verse 4. But God. But God. You see it there? But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. But God. God has shown us mercy. But God, by his great love, we read, who is rich in mercy. There's no shortage of it. He doesn't run out. Remember last week from chapter 1, verse 8? It's lavished on us. It's overwhelming. God abounds in mercy and he delights in it. His mercy is the origin of of his saving initiative. Look at those words. Mercy, love, grace, kindness. They're all in those few verses. That's the nature of God. That's the character of God, despite our failings. It's not leniency, by the way, and it's not a lighter sentence. It's no sentence. We're forgiven and set free by the grace of God. So number one, how does God save us? How are we God's workmanship? Well, number one, from from wrath to mercy. Let's look at the second one. How are we God's workmanship? How has God saved us? Well, he's brought us from death to life. Again, let's go back to verse one. Notice that we are dead in transgressions and sins. That is what we were without Christ. That was our spiritual condition. Again, we won't understand God's gift of grace and gift of life without realising the state of death we're in. You might know Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. What we read is, is, well, let's have a look at verse 3. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. You see, what we read is, and then we're actually, we keep going, by the, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. You see there are two descriptions of sin there. There's, there's our purposeful sin, so the gratifying the cravings of the flesh, that's giving in to the bad stuff of the world that God doesn't like, and following the des- its desires and thoughts. You sort of know how that works. That's the temptation of, of I've sinned in our lives. That's our purposeful sin, our disobedience of God. But we also read of our nature. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. And again, in a sense, one flows from the other, doesn't it, really? As you can see, sin and our own wickedness can be as much about inaction, so we can ignore God, uh, and that's inaction as well as action. I, I'm disobeying him. Either way, the result is separation from God. Either way, the wages of sin is death. We are separated from God and God is life. Imagine this. Imagine two qualified school teachers. Let's call them Matt and Tom. Starting their first jobs and looking for some cheap accommodation, as uh, newly qualified school teachers tend to do. To their delight, uh, a family friend, uh, a wealthy music mogul. (laughs) I just made that bit up. Um, with With a stunning estate and it happened to be near the school, offers them his mansion. I'll be away for a few years on business, he says. I don't really need any money, so enjoy my mansion just for $30 a month. That's it. The 
friends are ecstatic. Just stay in touch, said the owner. It's a big place and we'll need looking after. So respond to my emails, pay the rent and have a fantastic time. Well, the guys move in, each taking one wing of the mansion. Matt is a, well, Matt's a bit of a wild man. Bit of a party animal. And soon uh, the, the east wing is trashed. Cigarette burns on the furniture, you name it, beer stains on the walls, uh, mud trodden through the carpets, all that sort of stuff. Everyone knows that when the owner returns, Matt will be, uh, he'll be kicked out. But Tom, Tom's a little bit different. He's quiet, he's polite, he's so well behaved that the west wing is spotless. Everyone assumes that the owner will be glad uh, to let Tom stay. But when the owner returns, he kicks them both out. Friends of Tom, well, they're shocked, aren't they? But to anyone who asks, the owner explains, look, I realise they are different. Matt trashed the place while Tom was tidy. But they treated me exactly the same. Both of them utterly ignored me. Neither of them bothered to answer my messages. And the house is now seriously damaged. They can't even be bothered to pay the small amount of rent that I asked for. Since they've so abused my kindness, they both cannot stay. You see, I think the story illustrates the different ways that we treat God. We live in God's world, enjoying his extreme generosity. God expects us to listen to his messages in the Bible, his word in the Bible, his good news in the Bible to look after his creation to, and to seek his help in prayer. But we ignore him and we disobey him. Uh, some trash our lives. The relational wreckage is everywhere. Others of us are clean living and religious and well behaved, but we ignore him, proudly presuming that we belong in heaven. Some of us even ignore him so long that we declare him dead and claim the house as our own. But God, but God, again verse 4. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions and sin. You see it is by grace, God's undeserved love for us that we're saved. But God has made us alive with Christ. Instead of a future that is death, separation from God permanently, and that's the right and just punishment for us and our disobedience to God. We've ignored the life that he's given us. Instead of that, we actually have a future, and that is with Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have a future as Jesus is now, alive. A future as Jesus is now, resurrected like Jesus. See, through faith in Jesus, we share in his representative death and resurrection as our king. That inheritance we looked at last week. Through his spirit, God, God breathes life into us. We're like light bulbs plugged into the mains power of a light socket as Jesus electrifies us with his spiritual life. Well, finally, how does he save us? How are we God's workmanship? From earthly to heavenly. 
Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You see, those who are in Christ are counted with him now. We're raised up with him in the heavenly realms. That's that spiritual dimension we talked about last week. Like, like places reserved at a wedding banquet in accordance with the groom's seating plan. Seats are reserved for us by Jesus, by his death for us on the cross, at his wedding feast. They're there for us. We've been raised up in the heavenly realms with him. It's a guarantee. That's what it is. And since he has already sat down, it's as if we have sat down because our places are secured by him. And we shall soon take our seats to fulfil the purpose of us being created, to be united with Jesus, to rule the new creation and the, and, and, and the spiritual realms where we shall see for eternity the incomparable riches of God's grace and kindness expressed to us in Jesus. There's that first purpose. You hear it there? That first purpose of God saving us as being God's workmanship we will see for eternity the incomparable riches of God's grace. We will see that God will show us that, showing God's grace into eternity. You see in verses 1 to 9, if you, if you, if you scan over it, do you see that God is the subject? you see that? God is the subject of each of those sentences. It's, it's God. It's God's initiative, what we've read about. It's God's work. This is God's grace. Remember from last week, uh, and if you didn't catch last week, maybe you should go back and watch the video. Um, have a, certainly have a read of chapter 1. It's God's riches at Christ's expense. This grace is not from ourselves. You see, you can't earn it. You can't. We all fall short, Romans 3, 23 tells us. It's not by works, but it's the gift of God. Look at verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. You see, friends, our, our salvation, us being made right with God, is entirely God's generous and costly gift. We received it through faith. And you notice that, that faith itself is a gift of God. It is entirely God's work and God's initiative. Why? So that we can't boast, of course. God's grace is the origin of our salvation. The faith created in us by his work is what enables us to receive that salvation. You see, and like any good preacher, that he, Paul clarifies this with a negative. He says, it's not by work so that no one can boast. We're not saved as a, as a reward of our good deeds, uh, our religious performance, our service in church. We're not saved for those reasons. We've got nothing to boast about except the Lord Jesus himself. We've got nothing to boast about, whether in cocky self-confidence before God or in arrogance towards unbelievers or competition with other Christians. We've got nothing to boast about. Only the Lord Jesus. We were not saved and we will, and we will never be kept saved by our good works, but by Christ's good works of service. That's how we're saved. But the good works of Christ have saved us for doing good works in thankfulness for we are now 
created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Have a look at Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here's our second purpose. God's purpose, as his workmanship, we've been recreated, born again, made new by God's spirit through the gospel for this reason and this purpose and the reason for God's grace expressed in in Jesus' life of good works, culminating in his death for us and the purpose is good works prepared for us to do in thankfulness to him. Let's not miss that. Let's not miss this, that to know that I'm saved completely by God's grace in Christ frees me from the pride of imagining that I can save myself. You see that? And the terror of realising that I can't. (laughs) And to know that I've been saved for good works frees me from a lazy and loveless disengagement with the needs of this world, especially the need of the gospel going out to this world. And also from ever feeling insignificant. That's what, the, that's what the gospel does. That's what God does in our life. Frees me from ever feeling insignificant or useless because I've been saved for good works. I've been saved to love, to serve, to be kind, to be faithful, to be good, to, be, to have self-control. God has prepared good and different things for every one of us to do as members of his gathering church. So, well, let's stop boasting (laughs) and start celebrating God's amazing love. We haven't already. And let's stop doing ministry or service, same word, to save ourselves and let's start doing it to thank our saviour. That's why we serve, isn't it? We delight in serving Jesus, not to be saved, but because we have been saved. From wrath to mercy, from death to life, from earthly to heavenly. I want to show you this cool clip, uh, it's, and then we'll pray, and we'll see if there's any questions or comments. Thanks, Matt. my life according to these beliefs. God does not exist. It's just foolish to think that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. That an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world is a comforting thought. However, it is only wishful thinking. People can do as they please without eternal consequences. The idea that I am deserving of hell because of sin is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. The more you have, the happier you will be. Our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. In a world with no God, there's freedom to be who I want to be. But with God, life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. Without God, everything is fine. It is ridiculous to think I am lost and in need of saving. And that's how I felt before Christ opened my eyes, changed my heart, and reversed my thinking. I am lost and in need of saving. It is ridiculous to think everything is fine without God. Life is an endless cycle of guilt and shame. But with God, there is freedom to be who I want to be. 
In a world with no God, our existence has no grand meaning or purpose. The more you have, the happier you will be, is a lie meant to make me a slave to those in power. Because of sin, I am deserving of hell. The idea that people can do as they please without eternal consequences is only wishful thinking. It is a comforting thought, however, that an all-powerful God brings purpose to the pain and suffering in the world, that there is an all-knowing God with a cosmic plan. It's foolish to think God does not exist. I will live my life according to these beliefs. It's pretty cool, isn't it? How about we pray? Father, we thank you that you have reversed the effects of sin in our lives. We praise you and thank you. We thank you that we are God, we are your workmanship, your invention with a purpose. Our purpose is for good works and to, and to show off your grace and mercy to this world. Uh, Lord, we, um, we, we, we thank you for this great, uh, this good news of the gospel. We pray that we won't leave here today, whether we've known and trusted you for many, many years or just for a short time. We pray that we won't forget this. Uh, we live our lives to it in thankfulness to you. We also pray, Lord, for those today who are still working things out, not quite sure where they're at. We pray that today we would, you would work in us and by faith, by trust, we would today put our trust in you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.